It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is David Welsh, president and CEO of PrimeMed, a leading Canadian provider of PPE equipment. For over the past 14 years, David ushered in an era where PrimeMed achieved annual growth of more than 20%. Under his leadership, the company has grown from a small player in acute care PPE in Canada to a global leader in the manufacturing and supply of high-quality PPE products in North America. During his 14 years and prior to COVID-19, PrimeMed had grown more than 10 times in top and bottom line under his leadership. Prior to his time at the company, David was the director of sales at Acrodex and began his career in both pharmaceutical and medical device sales at Becton Dickinson. He has a Bachelor's of Science in Microbiology from the University of Alberta. David Welsh, welcome into the corner office. Thank you. Uh, great to have you with me here. And gosh, as we talked, uh, I guess about a month or so ago, uh, boy, I guess PrimeMed has really been on a rocket this last year um, as really the leader in PPE production. Uh, this last, you know, 12 months has been probably a pretty interesting time for you. But before we get into the business side of it, how have you been personally? How's your family and your colleagues during these uh, very interesting times? Yeah, well, personally, I'm doing very well. Um, family as well. COVID hasn't hit too close to home, which mm, glad uh, to hear that. very thankful for. Yeah. As far as the company goes, uh, I believe that we had in many ways the most challenging year of our lives. I can imagine. Uh, but at the same time, the most rewarding year of, mm. of my life in, uh, in my career. Um, the, it was really just extraordinary how things came at us Mm. The the workload was unmatched early on in COVID. Uh, many of us worked 14 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, just to I try imagine. to keep up. Yeah. And yeah. but 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 it's allowed us as a company to achieve what we had as a 10-year vision in protecting six million people per day. Mm. We we would have achieved that statistic midway through uh 2020. We, we still have that as our long-term vision because we want that to be our long-term sustainable um, impact on the world. Right. But uh, but we are committed to protecting people from harm, harmful substances and infectious disease. And I believe everyone in the company truly feels that we've achieved that over the last year. 
Well, fantastic. And and thank you so much again for being in that business. I know it's been, I'm sure, I'm sure super challenging, but so many of our frontline workers in North America, you know, were uh, so hard pressed to find such good supplies. And I'm sure it was uh, very challenging at moments, but also I'm sure very rewarding over the course of the last 12 months. Absolutely. Well, let's start with you. We always kind of like to talk a little bit about the early years. I know that you're up in Alberta. Did you grow up there? Tell us a little bit about your early family life. Yeah, uh, born and raised here in Edmonton, Alberta. Mm. Uh, grew up in a very stable, strong family. My uh, my father was a physician. Oh. And um, back, back in the era of stay-at-home moms, I, my mom was there for me all the time. Right. Uh, I have three siblings, uh, two older brothers and a younger sister. Okay. And uh, sort of, I, I would say, sort of the storybook uh, childhood where nothing really challenged me and, and life was carefree. Well, I know you started in medical sales. I, I'd hasten to think that maybe your dad had something to do with that, given that he was in the <laughs> medical field. <laughs> yes. Well, I would say my parents' direction was to push all of us into the medical field. So mm, really? my, el yeah. my, my eldest brother, uh, I guess truly is a genius. And he, so he was exceptionally good at school. He went into medicine and became a radiologist. Oh, wow. And it became almost the expectation within our family that everyone would follow in that, those footsteps. Yeah. Um, I think this was probably an error for me. Um, you know, I started down that road and I discovered, you know, midway through that this was not the life for me. The uh, I'm, I'm a squeamish person mm. <laughs> and you don't need squeamish doctors. <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, early on in my life, I, I didn't really have my pathway determined very well at a young age. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it in a minute, but I think you actually studied microbiology, didn't you, before uh, graduating? Yeah, well, I, I yeah. love science. I love mathematics. And um, so I pursued sciences, ultimately got a degree in microbiology, right. which right. Uh, is an area of great interest. But once I left university, I found that um, I wasn't very well suited for an occupation within the area of microbiology. Right. Um, most jobs in those areas were for technically Research. trained people. Yeah. yeah, technical, technical type of work. Yeah, great. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but just want to focus a little bit on the earlier days. Um, you know, other than leading you and your siblings into <laughs> medical professions, and, and, and in a way, you you serve the medical industry, so you know, you certainly found a parallel path. What, what were some of the other you know things that mom and dad inspired you about during those younger years? Oh, well, I, I guess I was always very proud uh, of my parents and the fact that they were upstanding citizens and mm -hmm. uh, they were they were hard to live up to the expectations and, and the path that they created for us. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, you know, always from a very young age, I was extraordinarily ambitious. Um, expectations of the family were for nothing but the best of marks and... Uh, you know, nothing but the best in life in general. So I assume you were a pretty good student in school. Yeah, I did uh, did very well in school. Um, 
but again, as I say, it really was the expectation. Yeah. The, uh, the I, I bar was, was high, <laughs> particularly yes. being the third one in the pecking order, too. I can imagine. You bet. You bet. <laughs> what about outside interests? Uh, did you pursue sports? You know, any music, theater, other types of interests? Yeah, I guess my primary pursuit outside of my academics were sports. Uh, enjoyed many different sports as a young person, and I've brought that through my life. I I still. I'm regularly active. I love skiing. Yeah. Uh, I love walking, running. Doing, Not to sound uh, stereotypical, but do you play hockey or did you? I don't. I <laughs> you don't. don't. Okay. Yes, I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that would be pretty pretty much the Canadian way of life. I, <laughs> well, I think you're, I, love, I think you're the first Canadian CEO that hasn't dabbled in it at some <laughs> point in time. I but, love uh, watching hockey. Love, love watching, watching it. Yeah. And all my my boys both played hockey, so nice. I, I nice. got my exposure. Skipped a generation there, right? <laughs> what about other influencers? Were there certain coaches or teachers that you had growing up, David? That you know left you with certain messaging that uh, you've carried forward to your uh, your CEO ship. Yeah, well, I think I was always surrounded by by very good people. Um, you know, I, I go back and think of my my grandfather. Mm. My my grandfather was um, he wasn't an immigrant to Canada, but he he was uh, a first generation born Canadian oh, and grew cool. and grew up on a homestead. And yeah. uh, you know, where, where did he come from? Where where, where the immigrants uh, from? from the Ukraine? The Ukraine, okay, cool. yeah. A, a good yeah. portion of my family is from the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that my grandfather, he would be, would have been born in about 1910. And that would be out on the prairies of Saskatchewan. And wow. I, I listened to the stories of, uh, of the hardship and yeah. uh, how they had to build up their lives. So always admired him. He, he was, yeah. a, a very well-educated man. He, he, he educated himself in many ways and, ultimately was very successful. Nice. Fantastic. What about um, entrepreneurial things, David? Did you pursue things uh, growing up, you know, in the, in the States, typically, you know, the ubiquitous tape paper route is something that many do or, you know, mowing <laughs> the lawns, et cetera. I'm sure maybe something around snow removal and that type of thing. <laughs> uh, I, I actually did have a paper route from oh, in, awesome. in grade awesome. five and grade six, back yeah. in the day when children would freely roam the neighborhood and <laughs> right, del right. deliver newspapers. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I can't say it was because because of an entrepreneurial spirit, mm -hmm. I, you know, I did not grow up exposed to business. Uh, a medical family is yeah. actually quite closed off to the right. possibilities right. of the world. And I think that was a bit of a weakness that, um, that delayed how quickly I could uh, enter into the business world and, and mm -hmm. grow. There was a lot that I needed to figure out. So by, by no means was I entrepreneurial by birth or did I get to observe that in my youth? Right. Well, you eventually pursued a sales career. So, so, so you had to have something in the DNA there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I pursued sales because I was always a social person, enjoyed people. Right. And yeah. that was one way for me to marry my science background with um, just my personality type. Were there jobs that you held in high school and in college that prepared you for that? Uh, those are first initial jobs outside of college. Hmm, I, I, I wouldn't say they prepared me. I I, <laughs> I, I did work in uh, as a, a a research assistant in physics labs and okay. chem, chemistry labs. 
Uh, I, probably my favorite job as a young person was working on a golf course on the greens crew, nice m- mowing the <laughs> lawn and doing all sorts of landscaping. But uh, no, I, I would say I, I found myself on the doorstep of my first job relatively unprepared and mm-hmm. unknowing where I was going. Yeah. Well, University of Alberta is where you went. We talked about that a little earlier. Uh, was yeah. that the natural choice for you? Did you look at other universities um, to attend Canada prior to to going there? No, actually, well, it was just uh, I was still too close to home. Yeah. And, um, you know, it wasn't even a consideration to go outside of that. Of, cor- of course, later on in my life, when I took my MBA, I did move away. Yeah. And that was a very important and influential um, decision. Right, right. Now, did you do that prior to actually starting your professional career? Or was there some work in between, between the time you got your um, yeah, undergraduate I, and your MBA? Well, that, that first job you referred to as a pharmaceutical sales rep, yeah. I worked that for about three years when I decided uh, to go back and take my MBA. Right. I, I was looking for something to launch me in a new direction. Yeah. The, the three years I did as a pharmaceutical sales rep, allowed me to earn some money, but I could see that the pathway to success would have me moving first to Toronto and then ultimately uh, into the U.S. or or elsewhere to to follow the path of, of climbing that corporate ladder. Yeah, yeah. And um, that wasn't really that comfortable with me. So I, I thought, well, how can I change this life pathway? And the MBA came as a, a great opportunity to do that. Do a do a pivot, as we say. Yeah. You so, bet. what what was that first job uh, coming out of MBA school? I went uh, back into the medical industry. I was a yeah. medical device sales rep right. for uh, Becton Dickinson, a oh, very sure. large multinational. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. And did you go into sales management there, or had you actually uh, been managing people prior to your uh, your MBA? Sure, I, I didn't start managing people for some years later. To right. tell you the truth. Right. Yeah. And I, I think the delay in advancement within Becton Dickinson was the main um, the main reason that I ultimately moved on from that job. Right. Uh, once again, I found, found myself in the corporate world and held up by the politics and um, you know the, the red tape of very large companies. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the first time you started managing people. So was it in a sales management position? Yeah, I guess uh, the first time I started managing people was at a software company, a medical software company called Ormed. Right. And there I became the sales manager and ultimately the VP of sales and marketing. Uh, it was a it was a very pivotal role in my life. Uh, I, I really loved working there. Yeah. We... we it was a, a young company, very entrepreneurial. We got to work um, as teams, and it was a team selling environment where we would travel together, we'd socialize together. Oh. Uh, all of our accomplishments were within a team, and it really changed the way I looked at work. Uh, work became all inclusive and a, a real joy to to go to every day. Yeah. What were some of those early challenges, if you can remember, when you, know, you first started uh, having people report to you? Were, were they, were they, you know, kind of long-term sales folks that had been around a while, and you were the young buck coming in, or were you managing people of your same age or younger? Uh, well, a whole variety. But yeah. um, 
I guess the challenges for myself would have been to be direct in my feedback. I think I'm a, mm. I'm a very agreeable type of person. So I've, I've always, uh, you know, I, I do things in a friendly nature right. and sometimes maybe my, my friendliness and, uh, and such would, would keep me from giving the feedback and the direction that I really should have given. Oh. And then uh, you led to the the leadership of the sales and marketing department there at Ormed. Is that where you ended up? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, so ultimately I made my way to to the top uh, echelon that I right. could within the company. Yeah. You know, beyond that, it was really the primary owners of the company. Sure. So were you reporting into the owners or reporting into the CEO in that role? Yeah, I, I would report to the CEO at that yeah. at that company. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you made a shift. I think you were there about four years and then went to, is it Acrodex? Is that uh, how it's pronounced? That's correct. Yeah. Right, so right. Acrodex, I ran the, uh, the sales team at Acrodex. Acrodex was a mid, mid-sized uh, systems integrator, actually right. one, of, one of the largest in Canada. Oh, okay. So we, we moved a huge amount of hardware, but we also had um, IT managed services, uh, application development services, uh, infrastructure, uh, consulting, etc. So not not just in the medical field, I presume then, right? No, th this oh, okay. was uh, in, virtually in all industry. Wow, wow! So big, big change there. What what was kind of the attraction of that? Was it uh, you know an opportunity to you know advance in the career, seeing that you obviously weren't going to go into the C suite there, or um, you know wanted to get a different experience in another sector, or maybe a combination of both? Yeah, it, it was a much larger company, had mm. um, had much greater opportunity for me to grow, uh, manage a larger team, manage much larger uh, sales initiatives. So it was a great place to grow. Yeah. Spent, um, I guess, probably about four years there. Yeah, awesome. And then from there, I believe you joined Premed. Is that correct? Yes. So um, I guess that was really the major turning point in my life. Yeah. It is the ability to take on uh, the leadership of PrimeMed. So I, I came in as CEO. Right. Um, it was a very unique opportunity. And I guess as you know, I, I'm, I have great gratitude to the original founders of the company who had been building the company for about 10 years when I stepped in. And they had just started turning the corner mm. to becoming a much larger company. Uh, in good part due to the fact that my wife, uh, who is a unbelievable salesperson, <laughs> was uh, hired on by them about two to three years earlier, oh, and okay. oh. and they had um, it started building uh, and growing at a very tremendous pace when they recognized that they needed to bring in more professional management mm. and and help them through the transition from being a small company to a mid sized company. So they were much smaller, obviously, than Acrodex at the time that you joined. Yes, much smaller. Yeah, yeah, but, it. but but it was um, my opportunity to finally be entrepreneurial myself. So yeah. we basically mortgaged everything, took wow. uh, <laughs> took every bit of money that we could find, and fully invested ourselves in PrimeMed at that time. Fantastic. And and were they in the PPE equipment uh, business at that time, or was it a little different uh, model at that at that stage? No, they were already in the PPE business. Um, you know, we've we've grown tremendously since then mm. with our tech, with our technology, with our product offering. 
but the foundation was set. Mm. And at the point that I began, we just started building our first factory for self-manufacturing. Wow. Yeah. And it's been a unbelievable ride ever since. Yeah, fantastic. And and we don't talk about specific numbers because I know the company is uh, privately held. But, you know, if, if it was uh, 100 at the time you joined, uh, wh- what would the sales be today? Is it uh, 10x, 100x? How, how far has it grown in that 14 years? It'd be almost 80x. Almost 80x. Fantastic. Wow. What a <laughs> ride. What a great ride. And, um, you know, the founders, uh, now, did they come out of the medical profession and, and are they still involved in the business today? Uh, well, they they uh, serve on our board of directors. Right, They're still right. significant investors in the business. Right. Uh, they, they came out of a number of different areas, just very entrepreneurial people. Owners and original founders of the company, tell me a little bit about their motivation around getting into the PPE business. Did they see a, an unmet need in the marketplace or, you know, like you, did they come out of a medical family and, and saw this as a parallel path? Well, one of the founders worked within the medical device industry uh-huh. as a colleague uh, prior to starting PrimeMed. Okay. Um, that, that was the connection between ourselves. Right. That, uh, we had a friendship that went back for many years. Okay. Yeah. Um, they, they started PrimeMed as a company that looked to sourcing product and, you know, bringing that product into Canada in private labels and, and other means. So this was arbitrage from Asia, uh, mm. gaining access to lower cost product and uh, bringing it into the marketplace as an alternative. Mm. Um, from there, though, they they made a commitment to self-manufacturing and design of, of medical devices probably about five years into, into their voyage. Oh. And that was a major decision point, a major corner for the company. And when SARS hit here in Canada, in Toronto, uh, that was the motivation to get into the face mask manufacturing business. Ah, got it. Got so it. Now, what really, year was that again, David? Remind me. I believe that's 2003. 2003. Okay. And, and so, when were they originally founded? Uh, 1995. 1995. Okay. So they've been around a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so the SARS uh, got him into the face mask and, and then that kind of developed, obviously, as <laughs> in, into, you know, also supplying, I guess, the, the broader medical market, right? I mean, you, you don't just serve, you know, for pandemic needs, you're serving mostly the medical community or, you know, tell me a little bit about, it, I guess, your customer base. Sure. Yeah, we um, were the market share leader across Canada for many types of PPE, but uh, in particular face masks. Isolation gowns and examination gloves. So right. three of the major categories uh, beyond the Canadian market where we sell branded. We are a major supplier into the U.S., Australia, New Zealand, and Europe wow. uh, as a OEM manufacturer for many name brands that uh, people would be familiar with. Yeah, fantastic. And um, that uh, process of, of, you know, moving from sourcing to manufacturing, um, that's a pretty big deal. Did, did they have, you know, at that time prior to you joining, you know, some, some manufacturing expertise or did they bring that in in order to make that shift? Oh, they, they brought that in. They actually yeah. found, they found the manager or the, the plant manager of a Levi Strauss plant mm. here in Edmonton. Wow. So it, that plant was shutting down. Right. And um, Guy Plamondon, one of the founders, actually 
went and sat, knocked on the door of the building that was closing down and got himself in front of the plant manager <laughs> and hired her on the spot to, <laughs> to become our uh, leader of manufacturing. Wow. Fantastic. Strategic. And did you take over that plant as well or, or just the, uh, the, the manpower that ran it? No, not the plants. Uh, <laughs> our, our, our initial plants were all in China, yeah. but we now have a diversified manufacturing base, including a plant here in Canada, in Laos, and multiple wow. plants back in China. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, you know, you had been sales and marketing in, in your two last uh, positions prior to joining and, and then straight into the C-suite. You know, if you don't mind sharing with us, what were some of the biggest challenges you had having been, you know, pretty much in the sales and marketing discipline and then all of a sudden having finance and manufacturing and, you know, all the other aspects that go along with that? Well, I think it was always one of my strengths to have a a real 360 degree view of business. Mm, yeah. And I'll attribute that to my MBA. Uh, the, the school I went to is Richard Ivey or in the day that was the Western Business School in uh, London, Ontario. Yeah. And it's really Canada's Harvard in that uh, everything we did was through case study. Oh, right. So over two years, I would have done maybe 600 different case studies. Wow. And I, I loved that work. It gave me exposure to every facet of so many different businesses. And then, I, so that was the main value I yeah. took out of my MBA. Yeah. So that I believe that when I came into my role, I'd, I'd been just waiting for the opportunity to have, be more influential, influential within the business and allow myself to, to work on all the different aspects rather than just the sales and marketing focus right. that I'd always had. Right. Yeah. Well-trained and, and, and well-prepared. It sounds like obviously for yeah. that role. Yeah. Well, 14 years, ADX, that's incredibly impressive. What would you say is kind of being the, the biggest leadership, you know, challenge you've had during that period of time? And, and, you know, how, how's your style evolved, David, during that, during this last 14 years? Well, I guess leadership challenges for me would always be people-based. Mm. The, um, you know, I, I find it very easy to make logical decisions and uh, and be decisive in in my decision making. But you know, it it really is all around the quality of your team. I'm a great believer mm. in the success of a company simply being the aggregation of of the contributions of so many different people. Um, so it's by no means an individual type achievement. Everything we do is is team based. So my, I guess my my biggest challenge has always been getting everyone to 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 play by the rules, mm. to be within the culture, to respect each other, to trust each other, to collaborate. You know, to live our core values as a yeah. company. Yeah. And, and that's where I put my energy. Yeah. Awesome. And, and you took over from a founder, you know, and a, and a creator of the company. That's uh, no small task. Did they work alongside you during those first few years before stepping onto the board? Yeah. Uh, w one of them did mm -hmm. uh, work. They worked as my VP of product development for about two years. Right. But, but I'd have to say um, the big learning there, the transition that they permitted me was without any interference whatsoever. Wow. They so to look back at it and think, um, I, I don't know if I could ever do it myself. I guess I'll, I'll need <laughs> there are to. very few founders that can. So that, that's quite a statement. Uh, pulling yeah. the needle out fully is very, very difficult for most founders. 
they they never stepped in the way of a wow. single decision that I made. Wow. And the day that I walked in, they gave me complete ownership of of my position and never interfered. So I have amazing gratitude yeah. for for that and for their wisdom. It obviously yeah. uh, it worked out very well. Very good foresight on their part. But you said you'd had a personal relationship with them. Is that true for a year or two before joining? Yeah. 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 Um, and your wife had worked there too, obviously. That's right. You well, Pete Plamondon and my wife had worked together at a company called Baxter, which mm-hmm. ultimately oh, then yeah. moved into becoming Cardinal. Right. So they right. they had, um, and they're very good at their jobs. Both of them were in sales and I worked alongside in my BD days. Yeah. Well, you talked a little bit about company culture. That's another difficult one. I mean, they had been running the company for, if my numbers are right, about eight years or so, I think, prior to you joining, or maybe it was closer to 11, I think, right? Because they'd started in 99, was it 98, 99? Uh, Yeah, started in 95, and I transitioned on January 1, 2007. 2007, so so a good good 12 years there. Um, You know, again, kind of like taking over the reins of running the business, taking over the culture can also be a very challenging thing. Has the culture evolved over time, or were the values and mission and you know strategy pretty much well set at that stage i think we've evolved quite a bit mm. so we 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 have a very unique culture um i i'm very proud of it i believe that we're some of the hardest working people in the industry so this last year has proved it i'm sure <laughs> yeah, oh yeah for, for sure but but we've had ongoing success for as far back as i can remember mm. and and it really goes back to this culture of super high energy mm. uh, engagement that is unmatched and just the commitment that people put to what we're working on and what we're achieving. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I do believe that our staff get enormous satisfaction out of their work and that, um, you know, overall it's just a wonderful place to work. Mm. We're, we're, we're proud of what we've accomplished and, um, we do everything we can to keep the culture as we grow. How do you do that? How do you perpetuate that level of, you know, commitment and hard work? I mean, obviously you do it yourself, you know, and that would be my, ex- you know, ob- observation from what I know about you and your commitment to the business. But, you know, does that get communicated? Do you recruit against that? You know, t- tell us a little bit about how, how you keep that going. Yeah, well, I guess it always starts through demonstrating it from the top. Right. But so the entire executive leadership team uh, here in PrimeMed is uh, very talented and extraordinarily hardworking, and it flows down through the corporation. But what really binds us together is the social network that we have. Mm. I would say that many people within our company are really close friends. It's something I learned back in my days at Ormed when uh, we traveled together to do software demonstrations, yeah. to do uh, implementations of of our, it was an ERP for healthcare. And so we'd be on the road together as a team and working side by side for extended amounts of time with a lot of after hours time to work together. Right. Well, that, that's the truth here at PrimeMed as well. We we tackle our global sales by, um, by working from a, a cluster of salespeople here. Really our head office becomes a, a highly mobile, product implementation team, sales team. We work uh, from this cluster, central centralized cluster. So as a result, we've traveled together. We've seen the mm. world together. 
Yeah. yeah. And uh, brings everyone exceptionally close. And we try to give those opportunities to everybody. Uh, yeah. Anyone who's been in our company for very long at all has been to our factories internationally, mm. uh, gets to see the whole picture and and really feel part of it all. Yeah. How many employees in total today? Uh, by the end of this year, we'll probably come up to about 2,000. Wow. Fantastic. And, and how many are in Canada and how many are outside? Uh, we, we have about 150 to 200 here in Canada. We, our, our newest factory in Cambridge, Ontario, just opened up. Uh, we began production back in uh, October timeframe. Yeah. And we're we're still building out the staffing there, but uh, we're probably hiring another 100 or more wow. in the foreseeable future. So we'll hit about 300 in Canada, potentially, and uh, in China and Laos, many of hundreds of, yeah. of staff yeah. and in very large factories. Multiple, multiple locations. None of those are co-located or co-manufacturing, right? They're wholly owned operations, or do you still work with contractors? No, they're they're wholly owned, and yeah. it really makes all the difference in the world. Imagine. We began before we built our own plant. We did have joint venture production in China, and we could not control our quality the way we wanted to. Right. Uh, in the end, we were you know outside partners within the joint venture, and you know the focus then became well, we we want to control everything. Mm. So we we started building um, Woofies in China. That's a wholly owned foreign enterprise where we we legally own everything. Yeah. So, yeah. and then in, in Laos, a similar structure. And, um, you know, as, as we grow, we, we want all of our production to be totally in our own control. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've obviously hired a lot of people over that period of time, probably not ADX, but probably fairly close to that over that 14-year period. David, what do you look for when you're you know, making bets and the people you invest in and hire? I guess it would be fit to culture in a large mm. way. But by the, time, by the time a candidate gets to me, they've been vetted for right. their skill sets. Yeah. Right. So, so you know, there's a lot of highly qualified people in this world. Um, but what I'm really looking for is I like to understand where that person's motivation comes from. Sure. I, I like to sort of solve the puzzle a little bit. Why is that individual sitting in front of me? Mm. Why do they want to work at PrimeEd? And um, so I, I'm, I'm looking for those pieces. What are your favorite interview questions? <laughs> You, now, now I, I will warn you, there will be people that you will interview with after this is released and you will get those questions yeah. answered. But but uh, I'd love to know how you get at that because those are great, great areas to explore. I, I like to get into a very flowing conversation mm. um, rather than any specific. But, but, you know, when I have to drill down, I'll be quite direct. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll point out, I'll point out uh, where I see or where I don't understand a motivation or right. a, where I don't understand the pathway that they're taking. Yeah. And um, because I, th I think the mystery is, is the danger. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The unknown. Yeah. 
Well, obviously we're uh, uh, just about out of time, but I've got a couple of last questions, particularly since you're, you know, in the PPE business and, you know, there's lots of speculation about what the world will look like, you know, post-COVID. Will we even be post-COVID or will we be continuing COVID, right? And ongoing vaccinations, et cetera. You know, what, what changes do you see ahead, both, you know, kind of globally within society and and more importantly for your company in, uh, in these days as we, you know, get more vaccinated and, and you know, get more on top of this. Uh, this world pandemic? Well, I, I certainly believe there will be a coast post-COVID. Good. The, I'm, I'm glad. This, that, that gives me great comfort, David, to hear you say This that. will be behind <laughs> us, and uh, I'm hoping that sooner than later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the world is going to change for business. We're, we're already talking about what our office will look like post-COVID. Yeah. With, with, we've, we've thrived working from home in many ways. Yeah. It uh, the piece that's missing is the socializing, the the connection, and you know we have such a strong culture that that has withstood this year of of working apart. But I'm really looking forward to bringing it back together. So the the future office for PrimeMed, I will be trying to attract our employees to come to the office. I'll be trying to make a a social gathering point here, and. you know, it'll be my job to encourage people to to come in and not spend their time working remotely. The, the flip side of that, though, working from home and the flexibility that mm. it provides yeah. can be a better life for everybody. Sure. Increased productivity, and, too. You know, that was even the case prior to COVID. You know, people that work mm-hmm. from home t- tend to be healthier, happier and uh, more productive. Have well, you seen yeah. that as well uh, during the last year? Well, I, I think now that things are a little bit more under control, right. I've I've observed our our employees are getting healthier. People are working out. People are taking care of themselves emotionally and and uh, and physically. So I, I do see the benefits of it in the long term. I believe that a lot of people go into entrepreneurship and running their own business simply to get the freedom that uh, comes along with it. And if we can provide that type of autonomy and freedom back to our employees uh, with flexibility in how they work, we're going to make for much happier employees. Mm. Great strategy. Great strategy. Well, David, we're, we're almost out of time, but we do ask one last question of our CEO guests. And, you know, what's kind of career and life advice would you give to someone that's listening that maybe has their eyes in their own corner office and, you know, is looking ahead to figure out how to try to get there? Yeah, well, I, I guess uh, my route has not been the, the normal route. I, I, I believe that, uh, you know, I, I had some some very good circumstances come my way and mm-hmm. having the opportunity to walk into a leadership position like I did uh, at the time. But the, the, what really went into that is that entrepreneurial expenditure yeah. where we we put everything on the line to to answer it and I, I think you have to believe in yourself enough mm. that that you can take that type of risk um I, I guess the uh, the other takeaways would be take initiative in your job I, mm. I believe in in big companies I felt somewhat held into my role uh constrained through structure red right. tape what have you. And the the beauty of a smaller company, an entrepreneurial company, very few of us will hold an employee 
into a space. Right. We're looking for people to take in, take initiative, to come forth with ideas, to simply do it. Yeah. Yeah. And every person that comes to PrimeMed, when I get a chance to do my introductory hour with them to talk right. to them about the company, I'll always encourage people to, to you know, you are free to contribute mm. any way you can. Bring your ideas forth, yeah. make them flourish, and I'm going to give you that place where you can achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah, fantastic. Well, David Welsh, President and CEO of PrimeMed Medical Products, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.